Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hello, welcome to the next episode of the Challenge Podcast. We're going to discuss the five events that happened this week, obviously preview some action as well, but also predict the Australian Open qualifiers. Uh, I think we will start from the Challenger action, right? Because after all, that's what the show is about. Where do you want to go first, Jakub? And I think I know where you would will want to go first. We have to go to Canberra, which was our yeah. stacked event uh, this week, where we both got a point with Marton Fucevic winning the title over Landro Riedi, 7-5-6-4. Fucevic, after a very strong finish to 2022 with the Bratislava title, uh, is starting the new year on the right foot. Uh, he beat Maestrelli, Arnaldi, Polmans, and Watanuki before beating Riedi. Up 14, spots number 73. How did you like Fucevic this week? Yeah, interestingly, he's already lost to Robin Hasse in Adelaide qualifying yeah. since. Yeah, that, which that, was, is, that was quite puzzling to see. But I mean, I was honestly expecting him to withdraw from Canberra after from Adelaide after after playing Canberra, but still losing to Hasse is is kind of weird, even you know if you're on your last legs or something. Yeah, her only real tough moments yeah. was Polmans, I think, uh, in the in the quarters. Of course, he dropped a set to Arnaldi, but the third was really competitive. I guess it was just the same Fuzovic that we saw in Andrea or um, Bratislava. When in Bratislava, he, obviously that was like a perfect run, other than the first set against Pokorne. Then Andrea was a lot more up and down. Here, I also don't think he was often playing his best tennis, but definitely was in the final, in the semi. So, you know, picked for the right rounds, uh, as usual in, Can- in Canberra or or rather, as as it had to be in this event, it was such a tough draw that, you know, it, it, it's a very strong challenger title to his name, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. This was a great draw, great tournament. Uh, similarly to Fucevic, Landro Riedi also had a very strong finish to 2022 uh, with two finals in November. This was his uh, fourth challenger final. Um, on his run here, he beat Harry, uh, Gaston, Liam Brody, Jan Lennarstrov, he was up 22 spots to number 135. What did you think of Riedi? Yeah, it was on 16, 16 wins in a row by the time he yeah. got to the final. And I don't think he did, did anything wrong, right? I mean, it was, it was just another superb display of strength. And especially important as, uh, well, before then, we haven't really seen him doing much other than indoors on the Pro Tour. Well, on hard, he had a pretty good win rate in 2022, but it was mostly ITFs. Uh, when he, when he got to the States, for example, for that series of like Charleston and whatever, he was, well, pretty, pretty poor for the most part. Uh, but yeah, it, it turns out that actually Riedi is going, he's not going to have that concern of, you know, only playing indoors. Um, pretty much it seems like he should be fret <laughs> everywhere right now. And yeah, it just, it just makes yeah. you think that top 100 is just a matter of time because yeah. That that was another ridiculous display from Riedi. He just lost to a you know a quality player in the final. 
Yeah, I mean, as you said, the the, the talent is immense. Uh, top 100 is a, a minimum that we sort of all expected this point for sure from him. Uh, really curious to see what he does uh, in Australia now, in Melbourne. As far as semi-finalists, we had some uh, players in some great form, like Watanuki, who beat Vanash, Rodinov, and Gombos, 17-3 and three in his last 20 matches. What did you think of Watanuki? Yeah, he was on a 13-match win streak getting to, to Fuchovic in the semis. So Martin was a yeah. bit of a bus kill, I guess, the, 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 this week, because I was really hoping for that Watanuki um, Riedi final you know one one win streak mm-hmm. battling against you know uh, another uh but yeah i think i think it was still super important for watanuki to get this sort of run because well the japanese challengers that he took at the end of 2022 you know the field was just it doesn't compare at all it wasn't that poor it wasn't like sydney or Playford, but it was you know duckworth was the best player probably chris o'connell uh you know ferreira silva twice ramanathan not really what we can see here, right? Of course, O'Connell and Duckworth compare, but here he beat Vanash, Rodionov, Gombos, and then lost to Vucevic. And yeah, I, I think we knew that he could do such, you know, something like that. But so many times in his career, he looked, you know, he, he's very talented as well. I mean, he looked like a guy who could uh, go deep in big challengers as well. He wasn't really doing that. He only had runs in Asia or in, there was one in Columbus, I think. And yeah, right now it looks like Watanuki has also, uh, you know, made some sort of a jump that should allow him to um, make, yeah, make such runs on a regular basis now. Yeah, our fourth semi-finalist was Jarlan Arstru, who beat Delbonis, Muller and Koako to reach the semis, uh, taking a set of Riedi uh, there. But maybe fair to say that he took advantage of a weaker run within this quite stacked draw. Uh, to get to the final four. What were your thoughts on him this week? Yeah, but definitely can't complain about his start to the year and uh, yeah, gained some great momentum for the Australian Open qualifying, I think. And and yeah, as you said, it was probably a bit of a softer section uh, given that, well, the best player he beat was probably, well, Miller Quaco, I guess, is a little, um, you know, it's hard, kind of hard to tell. It's it's debatable, but uh, but yeah, then then he lost to Riedi in a very good match, so definitely can't complain about this sort of result. Yeah, uh, then we also had Liam Brody reached the quarterfinals as a qualifier. Uh, he started by beating Gallardo and Pellegrino in qualifying before defeating Passaro and Nardi. Uh, what were your thoughts on him and his sort of improvement? Uh, in, in this week, yeah, also also very nice for for the Australian Open qualifying. I think I think he made it last year, right, uh, or, or or maybe two years ago. And and yeah, the, the, this is just a great start beating Passaro and Nardi. Uh, of course, uh, maybe the qualifying wasn't as strong, but still a decent win over Galarno. And just like Struff, who he might play in Australian Open qualifying round two, he also lost to Riedi in three sets. And was very close to to taking out uh, the Swiss actually, so uh, so definitely a good start as well. And I think he usually does pretty well in the Australian Australian summer. Mm-hmm. And over in the doubles, we had the top two seeds face off: Goranson and McLaughlin won their third title together after two last season. They defeated Andrew Harris and JP Smith. Uh, we also had Landro Riedi, the the singles finalist, reached the double semifinals alongside uh, Heis uh, Brauer. And they lost to Grandson and McLaughlin. Uh, we can go over to Numea, where we had Raul Brancaccio defeat Laura Nocoli 4 6, 7 5, 6 2. 
uh, Brancaccio's uh, second title after the San Benedetto 50 last season. Uh, this time he beat Pettergill, Piroz, Bear, and Garin. Uh, breaks the top 150 with his new ranking. What did you think of him this week? Yeah, I guess we kind of saw that he can play on, uh, you know, on hard courts, for example, at US Open qualities. Just game-wise, it makes sense, but still, uh, it, it's a super nice run for him. Uh, I don't know if he's capable of getting to the top 100 this year, but he's certainly going to get close. I mean, he's 146 right now, which even yeah. if you if you said that, I don't know, in June, maybe in May 2022, it was, be, you know, everyone would laugh at you literally because Brancaccio seemed like you know nowhere close to a breakthrough. It was like May, June that he started showing some signs and, and now he's here, which is amazing. Uh, you know, he, he definitely, I, I think he has more staying power at this level than a guy like, you know, Agamemnone, who almost got to the top 100 as well. Uh, but anyway, um, yeah, he, it wasn't that great of a tournament, of course, but the list of opponents he beat, I mean, Gary Imper, maybe guys that aren't at his best right at their best right now, but you still actually gotta do something to take them out. Well, with Per, not always, but it, this week, this week you had to. And we've got in, yeah, it still required some great tennis. And of course, the final was just absolutely wild. And uh, the fact that Locoli thought he won it on the match point, uh, and then yeah. uh, then the rain delay came and it was like over four hours, which, well, Brancaccio was serving out, serving for the set straight after the delay. But, you know, it seemed like maybe it can actually help Locoli put that uh, match point to rest in his head. But no, it, it didn't. And yeah. Uh, a crazy final. I don't think Brancaccio played his best at all in it, but well, it, he, he was the winner in the end. And that that's really all that matters. Yeah. As for Laurent Locoli, uh, it was his first career challenger final at 28 years old. Uh, on his way there, he got back to back six love third set wins over Sedarosic and Grenier. Uh, also beat Ruben Statham and got a walkover from Peniston. He moved up 28 spots, number 176. Uh, yeah, what did you sort of make of his week overall? Yeah, I mean, it was a bit of it, it was a bit random, right? <laughs> we have to say that a little bit. Yeah, it, it felt like that for <laughs> sure. Uh, of course, Grenier and Serdarusic aren't bad uh, opponents at all. Uh, but you know, Rubin Stadium that wasn't really a great match in the quarters, and then had a had a walkover over Peniston. It was his third semi at the challenger level. One was in Meknes 2013, I think his fir- first challenger even, and then 2022 uh, Tampere. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, with the sort of rise he had in, uh, in on the ITF tour in 2022, I think it was pretty clear that if an opportunity arises, he can potentially win one or get to a final. He did. And yeah, just totally choked it after after that match point. Although, can you really blame him? I mean, yeah, he 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 literally had his hands, you know, already up, thinking that he uh, that he won it. So that's probably one of the toughest. You know, it's tough to miss a match point and then still, you know, get back to the an even score and have to win it all over again. But you know, losing a match point like that, where you actually think you won, this this is even tougher. So I, I can understand it for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an unusual situation and it's one that's very difficult to to navigate emotionally as a player. I mean, he's, he's been around for so long and to think that he maybe could have gotten his first challenger title, that would have really kickstarted him. But nonetheless, he's, he's at his career high ranking. Um, this was a great way to bank some points. 
uh, taking advantage of a 100 challenger that didn't quite have the draw of a 100 challenger. Um, and yeah, I mean, he'll he'll put himself in these positions again, I expect. So he he might still win one eventually. Uh, as for semifinalists, we had Christian Garin, who beat Delaney, Fancut, and Diaz Acosta uh, to reach the semifinals before losing to Brancaccio. Uh, not the strongest of runs by any means, but it is his first time winning back-to-back matches since Wimbledon. What did you think of Garin this week? Yeah, by the time we got to the semis, I honestly thought he was probably going to win this event. Um, mm. has to be disappointed with it, right? I mean, even, even for a guy who doesn't yeah. play on hard courses that often, uh, you know, he was, he, he had some results on the main tour, even on them. And, you know, it just kind of shows how much he's declined in, in like, you know, one last year, I guess, because in 2021, I guess he was still fine. So, um, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, it's not, it, it's a decent result for him. Of course, it's, it was rare for him to reach semis, but it's also, it was also very rare to, for him in 2022 to play on the Challenger Tour. I'm not sure he even did, right? Yeah, he he, he didn't all yeah. year. So, uh, you know, we're going to see what, what he does from here. But uh, I just think, you know, in, in this sort of field, he probably should be winning the whole thing still. Like if, if he's, you know, going to return to the top swiftly. And yeah, we're seeing that it's probably going to take a while longer. Although, yeah, the golden swing will probably be key as as it usually was for him. Last year he was yeah, actually I mean, zero and three on the golden swing, by the way, which is kind of surprising. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm telling you, it was Norbert Gombosch back in 2021 in Davis Cup who broke him when he beat him <laughs> in Bratislava. He, he broke his brain. Although, I mean, he he did do very well at Wimbledon. Uh, although, yeah. unfortunately, he can't have that come towards his ranking now. Um, but yeah, his his level of play is far off where we're used to seeing him. So. He is only 26. He should turn it around somehow, uh, but we will see. Our other semifinalist was Ryan Peniston, who beat Uchida, Sinclair, and Jumhur, uh, but withdrew with a right thigh injury uh, from his match against Lokoli. Uh, yeah, what were your thoughts of Peniston's week? Yeah, he withdrew due to uh, due to an injury, which was uh, which is I guess really disappointing for him. He's also seeking that first challenger title, right? Uh, he lost a very close one to fairness in, in Ostrava last year. Also, like another two finals in 2021. Uh, so this was, you know, this was his chance, you could you could say. And, you know, with the points, maybe he even could have made a top 100 push, which is going to be really hard if he uh, doesn't do anything until like, yeah, Ostrava and the grass season, where in, in Queens and Eastburn, of course, he got plenty of points. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it, it was a big opportunity for him and yeah, he, he will, he, he didn't get to play due to an injury, which, which is definitely heartbreaking because yeah, with this sort of field, he was, you know, he had just as good a chance to win this as Brancaccio or Locoli. Yeah, definitely a huge, uh, chance missed. We had, we did have Benoit pair, uh, reach the quarterfinals here, but I wanted to highlight a different quarterfinalist. Uh, Ruben Statham, who beat Olivieri and Blanca No, 6-4 in the third. His first challenger quarterfinal since July 2017 in Medellin at 35 years old. Uh, any thoughts on Mr. Mr. Statham? Yeah, quite quite a story, I guess. He he did have that uh, amazing win over Litu uh, last year and yeah, kinda kinda seems to be getting back to where he was, right? I mean he was he was never a, a Grand Sun Qualies player, but he did show up in challengers pretty regularly and and maybe this week shows us that he, yeah, even at the age of 35, can actually still 
uh, still contend for you know at least second rounds quarterfinals in, in in weaker challengers and yeah no, definitely beating beating Blancano and Olivieri even even on a hard court is is pretty huge for him yeah and then Stadium went on to win the doubles tournament alongside Sinclair oh, yeah. in their first tournament together they defeated Matsui and Uesugi in the final Toshi the Matsui who played singles here uh lost three and three to Bonadio uh yeah any, any thoughts about Matsui playing singles did you watch him <laughs> no I didn't I didn't watch him uh he tweeted after the match uh, that you know, he tweeted the stats and just laughed about uh, him himself being worse than Bonadio in every single category or something. <laughs> he seems to be a very very funny guy. Uh, I he uh, I think I tweeted about him last year when he got that ranking point in Guam, and he he followed me and then I started like like seeing his tweets. They're in Japanese, but you know you can you can just go translate. And then he seems to be pretty funny and very like uh, you know self aware. No, 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 not self aware. That that's not the, the the right word. But you know, just uh, he can he can laugh of laugh about himself and and like yeah, has a very good time on the tour. Clearly, at the age of forty five still, and it's a shame that he didn't get the doubles title. It's it's the second time in like three months that he has a chance and and just doesn't do it on the right. I actually watched the doubles final, but not the singles against Bonadio. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we can go over to Nantaburi where we came close to, to getting our second point. Uh, but Denis Novak thwarted our plans by defeating Tungwin Wu 6-4, 6-4 in the final. Uh, for Denis Novak, his third career challenger title. First one since Bratislava in 2019 after losing three straight finals. Uh, in this one, uh, he, for the most part, ripped through the draw, really beat Aded 6-2-6-2, Fonio 6-2-6-1. Had a bit of a struggle against Marek Gengel. Uh, dropped a set there, but came back to beat Escoffier three and two. Uh, handled Tumlin Wu in the final, moves up 35 spots, number 145. After a bit of a down year, this seemed really uh, positive for Novak. What did you think of him? Yeah, I honestly, it, it always surprises me. I, I mean, I know it by now, but it always surprises me that Denis Novak only has, well, now three challenger titles because yeah. it seems like he's been such a key player on the challenger tour for the past three years or so. Uh, and yeah, that both of them came in 2019 as well. Uh, one of them we were, we were there for, of course. Uh, yeah, it, it, uh, it, you, it's easy to forget that he wasn't always like that, that there were, there were a lot of years when he was mostly playing the ITF tour. But yeah, right now he's just, uh, of course, still a very solid challenger, uh, you know, top player. And yeah, great, great to see him have this run because the uh, 2022 campaign saw him fall down in the rankings a little bit. Um, didn't, wasn't really troubled by anyone but Gengel, you would say. Uh, Gengel broke him three times, I think. Wu probably matched it or something like that. The other, the other players didn't even come close. Um, we probably weren't really looking at him, uh, you know, when it comes to the picking because, well, the, there, there were some concerns coming into this week, but he just totally, uh, blew them off. And yeah, well, he is, he hasn't signed up for, uh, Australian Open qualifying, which is really surprising. Mm -hmm. I wonder what's yeah. the uh, what's the deal there. Uh, Borna Goya also didn't, by the way, and he was initially going to play qualifying here in Dontaburi uh, the the second week, <laughs> but then he withdrew. Uh, I don't know. Did they just forget? I mean, it, it especially for Goya, who was there for the United Cup, it makes little sense. Like Novak, you could probably yeah. think maybe he's just gonna spend three weeks in Dontaburi. I mean, why not? Yeah, it, it is quite bizarre because that is just 
free money that you're really leaving on the table, money that is quite substantial to, you know, uh, to run their careers uh, the, the way that they do. But, yeah, it's it's quite puzzling to sort of just leave it out there. But yeah, um, as for Tung Lin Wu, it was his fifth challenger, uh, fifth challenger final. Uh, only has the one title still. Uh, on this run, he defeated Suksun Munara, uh, Uchiyama, Donskoy, and Lloyd Harris of 18 spots number 166. What did you think of Wu? Yeah, we yeah, we both picked him, as you said. Uh, I think he was totally fine, of course. Beat, uh, beat a pretty tough set of opponents, I think, for the for the strength of the field. Donskoy, Uchiyama, of course, Lloyd Harris, uh, probably the most the most important win of them all. Uh, where I was kind of surprised to see that Wu was that much of an underdog. I guess, you know, everyone was already like, Lloyd Harris, yeah, he's he's back, he's back. And he's sort of back. We're going to talk about him in a second. Uh, in the final, I think Novak was just returning far too well. That that really limits Wu's game if, if, if the opponent is getting great returns because, well, Wu just likes to have that first strike and... I uh, know it's such a big part of his game to be aggressive with it. And yeah, Novak, Novak really tamed that pretty well, but definitely not, uh, you know, we have to be pretty happy about this pick, I think. And, uh, another, another sign of how much, uh, Lin Wu has grown over the past year or so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we can go over to Lloyd Harris now, uh, in his first tournament since Roland Girl 2022. He performed better than I expected, to be honest, uh, defeating Hassan, Marojan, and Yuxiuxu. What did you think of him this week? Yeah, I think he can't really complain about the start, right? I mean, it's um, mm -hmm. it's the first week of the year. It's the first week after, uh, like, what, seven months of inactivity. And, well, he wasn't perfect, of course. He had some really rough moments. But I think it's only going to get better from here. And, yeah. That's that that's really enough said. He lost to a very good player. He beat a couple of, of great opponents like Su, like Maroshan. Uh, the match against Hassan was definitely really rusty, but thankfully for him, Hassan didn't, you know, deliver at all almost. Uh but yeah, uh, I, I think it was just just what Harris would have wanted. You know, of course of course it would be great to to end it with a title, but I think that's a perfectly fine weekend. Uh, yeah, we'll see if he ever gets to like the top 30 again. Well, he was almost in the top 30, but yeah, it, it, he's clearly going to be a factor at the challenger level, at least. Yeah, our other semifinalist was Antoine Escoffier. He defeated Mochizuki, Shimabukuro and Purcell. Any thoughts on him? Something that, that absolutely shocked me, like quietly ultra quietly that's why it shocked me Antoine Escoffier has now made like in his last three challengers he was made the quarterfinals semifinals and semifinals and in his last five he's made the quarterfinals four times which wow. after the sort of uh well maybe not summer but there was a point in like November sorry November September August uh, October where he was not winning any matches literally and right now he's suddenly getting deep runs everywhere I'm kind of shocked to see it great win over Purcell that's for sure and it's not indoors as well because you know in the past we've definitely said that, you know, that this is a guy who only really exceeds uh sorry excels indoors on the challenger level at least and even at the uh, even on the ITF tour he was getting all these 25k titles only indoors 
so yeah, I, I'm not really sure what to think about it, but he seems to be, uh, no, he seems to have uh, got that challenger experience by now and uh, yeah, doing some, some better stuff with it, which is kind of surprising because I think this was one of the guys who were, we were, um, you know, expecting to maybe uh, not, st- not stick around at this level that much, but it seems like uh, he is actually doing that. Yeah, uh, and a quarterfinalist that I thought was quite interesting, Evgeny Donskoy, uh, came through as a qualifier with wins over Kunsuvan and Verbensky, then defeated Paul Jab and Alafia Ayeni uh, to reach the quarterfinals. He finished the year strong last year with a semifinal in Brest after sucking throughout the year, really. Uh, so it was interesting to see him replicate that success on the outdoor court as well. Any thoughts on him? Donsko. Oh yeah, Donsko had a, had like his best run in uh in years. <laughs> I don't know if in years. I I was I didn't actually check like what he was doing in in recent years, but there wasn't anything like that, right? I I, I doubt well, it. Well, yeah, he 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 had a semifinal in Brest. Oh yeah, last uh, at the end of bad. last year, right when he beat yeah. Fields uh, in 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 the second round. You're right. So yeah, it, well, it's it's two great runs in a row for Evgeny Donskoy. He seems to be turning it around a bit. Uh, yeah, I I'm not sure uh, if 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 there's still like any chance, you know, for Evgeny Donskoy to um, what what would even the target be? Get to get back to Grand Slam qualities range or something like that, right? And I think I, I read somewhere that. Uh, Maybe Kuznetsov was was working with him again, or something like that, or maybe oh. it was a, it was another Russian. Yeah, no, don't don't quote me. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean Kuznetsov after that comeback in the middle of last year has disappeared a little bit. Uh, I mean he, he he just came back. He he did okay at some tournaments, qualified for the French Open, uh, and then sort of stopped playing in July. And we don't really I don't really know what he's been doing since, but. It's uh, certainly surprising <laughs> that that's how it's going for Kuznetsov. Um, yeah, yeah um, it's, it's working for them for sure. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I read something about Kuznetsov. Uh, Kuznetsov was definitely working with Donskoy when he was out for three years, uh, and mm-hmm. he was he was coaching him in that time. Anyway, yeah, uh, Donskoy has also qualified for Nontaburi uh, Part Two. Uh, by the time we're recording this. So, uh, yeah, going to be exciting to see him in the main row there. And he's probably one of the most dangerous qualifiers. I think I also saw who, uh, where they landed. I think it was also, but, you know, never mind. Mm-hmm. And over in the doubles, we had Gengel and Pavlasek win the title. Uh, Pavlasek obviously had some great form throughout last season. Uh, then him and Gengel reached the final together in Poznan. Uh, and this time they went all the way. Uh, beating Galloway and Hachvet Duga, who, who are a pretty high quality team. So for Gingo and Pablo Six, certainly a strong start to the season. We can go over to Tigre, where we had Juan Manuel Serundolo win the title over Murkel Delien, 4 6 6 4 6 2, uh, his sixth uh, challenger title in his career. He beat Droguet, Seiboshwild, Andreozzi, and Genesi. What did you think of Serundolo this week? Yeah, he got us the point. Clearly, it's worth to go for the top seats. <laughs> it it turns out that it's actually worth to be boring. Uh, but yeah, uh, it was a field he should have been really, you know, clearing up without much hustle. Uh, it wasn't like that, you know, the 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 break points that he saved against Sabofield at uh, three four in the third. But he was really clutch on them. 
uh he was he was going for his forehand and and it made uh it made the difference and then the final it was in general his weakest performance of the week very subdued until like the middle of the second set um yeah pretty surprised that he was this tense i suppose because well he won two challengers last year right against much better opponents as well uh Diaz Acosta right and and Hugo Carabelli if I remember correctly and, and they were free setters and he was like the better player in, in in the most important moments there as well uh but yeah finally he got over that and started playing hitting with better depth so um yeah just another good week to start the year of course this is a guy who will be back up there if he's healthy but uh yeah the health has been a major issue yeah, I mean, he ensured a 40% success rate for us after the first week, which if we keep that up would be uh, nothing short of incredible. And <laughs> thus is severely unlikely. Um, but yeah, as for Murkel Delian, it was his first career challenger final. Uh, he almost didn't get there after saving three match points in the first round against uh, Juan Bautista Torres. Then he defeated Sanchez Jover, Londero, and Villanueva, up 21 spots number 306. What did you think of Delian this week? Quite a run, right? I mean, Hugo Delian has been out with an elbow injury, I think, and Murkel is waving the flag for uh, for, for the Delian family. Uh, it, it was actually kind of uh, like some parts of his game really look like Hugo <laughs> and on, on multiple cameras you could you could especially see that the, the they also make like this very similar face gestures when they're when they're they're about to serve uh it, it's not creepy I want to say it's creepy but it's not it's it's just kind of you know something it's something interesting that while while Hugo is out he's uh he's there to to sort of give us a very similar experience uh, definitely uh, had some amazing moments this week, like the match against Torres and like the final, where for the most part, you know, when, when Serendolo was allowing him, he was just punishing these weak serves, uh, dictating with his forehand pretty well. Also introduced a lot of net play, which was which was fun to see. And yeah, uh, Murkel Delian also had a phenomenal start to 2022, by the way, when he made the semis at Tigre, the very same event. For some reason, he seems to love it. And and yeah, uh, then on the on the challenger tour after after that one event, he did not make like any impact, but won for twenty five k's or not twenty five k's. Just just wanted to say ITFs. And yeah, he he was in college of course up until like two years ago, and seems to be seems to be rising. Uh, certainly gonna be gonna be great to see what what he's gonna do from here because well. Uh, hopefully this time it's not only the start of the year that he that he lands uh, a fantastic run on the on the challenger tour. Yeah, I mean this was a very exciting run. I'd I'd love to see more of him. Hopefully he can provide it. Uh, and he plays often. Torres again, right next week, which is yeah. which is also fun. <laughs> great, great rematch because I mean that was that was a match with a lot of drama in it. Yeah. Uh, as for our semifinalists, we had Villanueva and Gianessi. Villanueva defeated Roca Bataya, Bertola, and Aboyan. Genesi defeated Ambrogi, Cepeliev, and Midon. Uh, any thoughts on those two semifinalists? Yeah, Villanueva, uh, you know, uh, we, we've seen him a lot more than, than Genesi uh, in, in like recent, uh, you know, the doing uh, doing more on the, on the challenge tour, I think, even than Genesi probably, which was, which was kind of shocking, but well. Uh, Villanueva, Villanueva has that very, very nice backhand, which he, which he hits super cleanly. And 
definitely not a shocking run. Aboyan, uh, that, that was a, a dramatic, nervy finish as well. But Aboyan was doing that to all his opponents this week. Villanueva actually uh, managed to get through him, which was, which was also an achievement of sorts. And yeah. Just kind of um, surprised that he lost to Delian so so easily, and Giannessi had his best run in in a long time as well. I think after the 2022 campaign, where uh, most of the time, you know, since since probably the Oeiras final or the French Open, he was barely winning matches. So uh, yeah, it, it, very refreshing. I think the forehand he was finally hitting it more. Uh, you know, with more intent than than in the past few months, especially the ma- the match against Chepiev, I think was was quite key because it seemed that at this stage of their careers, they they sort of have a very similar game right now. But Genesis still showed that he's you know he's ahead of a guy who is tricky to play, is also a lefty, but you know doesn't really have much weaponry. And and Genesis showed that he 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 actually is still. Uh, the better player in that in that sort of uh, a comparison. Also, that the win over Midon, I, th- I thought was very good. Yeah, over in the doubles, Guido Androzzi and Ignacio Caru won the title in their first tournament together for Androzzi after seven titles in 2022, which were pretty much all in six months. Um, now to get his 28th career challenger title, he's been on fire recently. Also, I think made the quarters in singles, so he's he's been yep. great. Uh, beat Aboyan and Monzon in the final. And we go over to Oeras, where Yoris Delor uh, won the title over Philip Christian Genu, 6-3-6-2. His first challenger title uh, lost the final back in 2016 to Medvedev yeah. in San Remi de Provence. <laughs> uh, so he sort of avenged it here against Genu. In a way, he started in qualifying, uh, beat Gutierrez and Leshem, then got wins over Dugas, Oliveira, uh, Prismich and Ilkel saving a match point in a, a third set tiebreaker up 75 spots number 266 what did you think of Yoris Delovert this week? Yeah uh, amazing story because apparently he also like announced his retirement somewhere in 2019-2020 maybe it wasn't like an official announcement but I found tweets where Mike Cation was talking oh. about it for example um, you know, couldn't really find any like articles about it, but you know, that's what it is with, <laughs> I guess that's what it is with challenger players simply yeah. that no one, no one really, you know, writes this, this sort of things about them. Anyway, uh, in 2019 and 2020, he did not play at all. He had seven surgeries in the meantime, then came back in 2021. And I think we sort of always knew that he was slowly getting back to the challenger level, but in 2022, I think it was, yeah, that, that, that progress of his was, was probably not as uh, quick as I thought it would be. He was good in the, on the ITF tour, sure. Uh, but didn't really, uh, didn't really do as much impact on, in challengers as I thought and probably didn't even do as much impact in challengers as in 2021, where he only played a few events. <laughs> oh, that's probably a stretch, but, but he had a, he had a great run in, in, in Helsinki back then. And we also had him on the show, uh, back then uh in Helsinki when he was you know sort of just just coming back uh great uh yeah he was in the, the world number 174 I think before the injuries as he said he only had one challenger final now he's been the biggest title of his career uh the reaction really you know after after winning that could really tell you everything we were uh thinking that uh the qualifiers would probably do well you know Eirash won won the whole thing they sure did 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the only the only real tough moment, of course, was against Ilkel when uh, he uh, blew a lot of match points uh, in the first set and then eventually had to save one in a great tiebreaker between the two. And Ilkel, well, Delor uh, hit an ace on the on the match point that Ilkel had. I think Delor actually hit three consecutive aces in that tiebreak, uh, including the one on the match point, which was kind of huge because, well, Ilkel had to win his points and Delor was just, uh, you know, blasting the serve. Yeah, he, he also hit something crazy, like 90% of first serves in, uh, in, the, fin- in the final. In the final, 90, uh, 91, I think. So yeah, the, the the serving has been a great factor for him in this run. Uh, as for Geno, it was his first challenger final. On his run, he beat Lyle in the third set tiebreaker. Took out Medjedovic, 6-2-6-3. Also beat Neuklist and Collignon. Up 35 spots, number 260. Oh, wait, I think I missed that one. Uh, 269 for uh, Geno. What did you think of him this week? Uh, yeah, he, he yeah yeah 269. He's getting close to to Grand Slam qualifying as well. Uh, probably would have been a better Romanian in Austrian Open qualifying than Yonel. Uh, <laughs> no, but I, I'm just laughing. But uh, he 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 surprised me for sure with that win over Layal in the opening round. But then the draw kind of opened up. Uh, I think he was down three five in the decider in uh, to Layal. By the way. Uh, but yeah, definitely a very solid player, but you could kind of see, uh, with Delore, I think they have very similar frames, you know, and in, in, in terms of their physicality, uh, just if, if I looked away from the screen, it was kind of tough for me to tell even, uh, you know, instantly if that was Gianno or Delore, uh, but, uh, well, he, he doesn't really use it offensively and that's, that's been a, a bit of an issue for him, of course, in the past few years. He was a fantastic junior, the world number five uh, in the in the ITF junior rankings. But uh, that that's sort of a very basic playstyle is definitely limiting him. But you know, it, it makes sense that at the Challenger 50 level, uh, he could get on on a bit of a run because he, yeah, for the past year or so, I think he's been sort of stuck in that um, slightly too good for the ITFs and too weak for the Challengers range. Uh, and actually played so many events last year that it's like 38 or something like that. Yeah, 30, 30, 39, I think even, 39 events last year. Most of them on the Challenger Tour, but, you know, not really getting the results. Uh, as for our semi-finalists, we had Rafael Collignon. Uh, he beat Faria, Justino and Leshem. Any thoughts on him this week? Uh, yeah, I I, uh, t- I talked to a friend of mine on Twitter before the start of the event and he sent me a couple, uh, like he sent me his winner picks and he uh, mentioned Collignon, which, which sort of, um, you know, st- made me watch, uh, follow his run more. But I, I, I figured that Collignon would probably, like if he gets that sort of a breakthrough, and I think he will at some point, uh, it's probably going to be more on clay than indoors. But he did fine with what he had, and of course the draw for him was very easy. Uh, but you know, he took it, and I think he has to be pretty happy about it. Faria, Justino, and Leshem. I mean, none of these are really um, much of a threat indoors. I think so. Um, kind of disappointed with how easily he lost to Giano. I think because well, uh, he's he's probably the better ball striker in that one, but. Uh, yeah, I, I think if he gets a breakthrough like that, it's it's probably going to come on clay rather than indoors. 
yeah, your pick, Cem Ilkel, also reached the semifinals out of the the, the semifinals out of qualifying. Uh, he beat Araujo and Moleker in qualifying, then took out Kenites Heper, Richardas Brankis, the top seed, Gabriel Debru, uh, a, a very exciting young player, had a match point against Yuris Delour. Now semifinals are better at the last three three of his last four challengers, starting qualifying every single time. Um, he's been very impressive to me in this finish of last season, carrying it over to this season. What did you think of Ilkel this week? Yeah, I would even say that maybe he he's never played better because, well, do you remember yeah. Cem Ilkel having that sort of a stretch where he, you know, every single event he's great at? I mean, I think between Vilnius and Bratislava, there was also Bergamo where he qualified Bergamo, and lost yeah. in the in the first round to Denis Novak. So, you know, pretty decent there as well. But uh, yeah, I don't yeah. think he's ever had like a, that consistent stretch of of good results. And, uh, yeah, if, uh, of course, the, his 2022, the fact that he wasn't playing as much was not related to any injury. It was personal issues. So, uh, you know, that, that's why we can see that his tennis hasn't suffered and he's probably going to be back up there, you know, in that top 200 or there-ish in no time. And, and yeah, this, this week was another showing of that. Although, uh, he could start winning his matches more easily because, well, both against Molek <laughs> against Moleker and Berankis, he just made a huge mess out of it. Against Berankis, I think he was six to three zero up, and against Moleker, he was um, I can't remember exactly, but I think he had match points in the second set, and then yeah, just just kept blowing leads. Uh, so that that would help him, especially as, as he's playing qualifying, right? So he he kind of needs to preserve his energy a bit better. But yeah, happy about the peak, and uh, yeah, um, it's a, it's a, he 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 didn't uh, you know he didn't win against the Lord, but he was the one who was two five down in the third set there. So uh, can't really complain about that one missed match point. Yeah, I mean, I when we came to the last four in this event, I genuinely thought that you were going to get a point here. And Me I think like it's only Me a matter too. of time with Ilkel until he wins uh, one of these events because he's, he's been amazing. But well, of course, I mean, there's those dark stretches, as you mentioned, which is why he finds himself in these situations that he has to then dig out of. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, is, it is great tennis from him. Um, we also had Dino Prismic make the quarterfinals as a qualifier. He defeated Janvier and Holmgren in qualities before taking out my pick, Pierre-Hugues Herbert, 7-5-6-1. Not sure what I was thinking uh, there. Uh, then Prismic took out Gigante, 6-3 in the third. What did you think of the Croats' uh, performance this week? Well, you were thinking that Herbert is not going to be rusty. He was, and he was <laughs> terribly rusty. And severely as well for the rest of it. Yes, that's true. The second set was awful. Uh, yeah, Prismich looks like a super exciting talent right now. Of course, he's like just, uh, you know, he's just 17, uh, 17 and a half almost. Uh, seems to have added a lot of power both to his serve and to his ground strokes, which, you know, raises the ceiling massively. Uh, the game is getting uh, less junior-like you know, with, with every single week, it seems. Uh, and yeah, it, it makes total sense now that he dominated all of those non-streamed ITFs at the beginning of 2022, because while the fields weren't that strong there, I mean, still pretty decent players like Bobrov, uh, Gauthier, uh, Vechnelt, Kumar, uh, but he was just totally crushing everyone. And, you know, now you can see why and how he was doing that. 
And yeah, a very, very nice run. Of course, he's going to have more accelerator spots to use. Perhaps he's also going to have that promotion mechanic to abuse when when his ranking gets into like the top 400. Uh, so yeah, it, it should be a fantastic year for Dino Prismic. And and uh, this week was just another showing of that. And he's already won over Clement Tabour in the first round of the second Irish uh, qualifying event. So uh, perhaps there's more to come in the in, in next week as well. Yeah. Um, in the doubles. Oops, I actually forgot to write this down. I guess also we, we should mention that Gabriel De Bruyne made his first yeah. uh, challenger quarterfinal. It was also a bit of an up and down run. Um, you know, he's, he, he's got that very solid skill set, pretty much does everything well. It's kind of hard to say what he does with what he's going to do with it for now. And Ilkal, uh, I don't think he, I mean, he crushed him, but I don't think the brew was a hundred percent physically, but you know, this is another guy whom we're going to see a lot on the challenger tour this year. And he's clearly ready for it. Like he is gonna, he isn't gonna go, I don't know, zero for 10 in his, in his next 10 events that that's not going to happen. Yeah. And over the doubles, we had Cornea and Noza win the title over Jonathan Aysarik and Pierre Ugerber, which is a pretty uh, big surprise uh, with, with Cornea and Noza, usually players that use sort of see a, a level below of uh, Pierre Uger Bear. Um, but yeah, they, they won it in straight sets, 6-3-7-6. So we go over to match of the week and upset of the week, first of the season. Where would you like to start? Um, Maybe let's start with the upset. Uh, I saw that, well, there, there was a lot of stuff in Numea. And uh, for the bookies, it was uh, fan cut over Hong, which I don't really get. Uh, I am going to go for something different from Numea as well, though. And it's going to be Blake Ellis beating Ernesto Escobedo. Did not see that coming at all, even with Escobedo's second half of the the season. He did so well to start the year in 2022. Uh, but yeah, this was this was a big hit, I think, to his, uh, well, to my confidence in his Australian Open qualifying chances. Let's say, let's say it like that. Yeah, uh, I've chosen to go with Dane Sweeney over Pavel Kotov. Um, I was I, I wasn't sure what to expect from Kotov going into this year. Uh, last year, obviously, he started very well. He he won in Forli. Uh, the finish wasn't the best on on indoor hard. It was, it was a little bit all over the place. Uh, but yeah, I I wasn't really expecting a a six four six one loss to to Sweeney there. True. Uh, who did you have was... for match of the week? Hmm. Uh, that's a good question. I do not know yet, so maybe you could start. Yeah, sure. I, I will start uh, of the matches that I watched. My favorite was probably Tunglin Wu defeating uh, Yasutaka Uchiyama. 6-7-7-5-6-4. Pretty exciting match. The, the level was... Um, I was a little bit surprised at, at how, how well Uchiyama played in there. Uh, Tunglin Wu problem solved very nicely and, and got his win there. Uh, obviously, the added uh, effect of, of having him in the, in the picks was also there but yeah doing war over Uchiyama for me I'm gonna go for a match that I only saw the third set of but it's gonna be Delor Ilkel 
in in the Oedash semis. Uh, I thought the tiebreak especially was just magnificent, and uh, and it was such a great finish to a great to a fantastic battle between the between the two qualifiers, who yeah were probably the best two players in the field that week. But yeah, we sort we sort of figured that 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 was gonna maybe happen, you know, after after we saw how strong the qualifying draw was compared to the rest of the field. But actually seeing that in motion was uh was pretty amazing and yeah enjoyed that third set a lot and i'm i'm sorry i you know i regret not turning it on earlier so we go over to nontaburi uh to preview the draw the top seed is denis novak the champion of the first week in in nontaburi he will face a qualifier and then Royer or billy harris then we have michael hertz coming from the united cup he will face palafum uh, um, and then the winner of Gengel and Moria. Zdenik Kolaj will face Prajesh Gunaswaran and then one of two qualifiers. Sandgren will play Dana Dead and then Benjamin Hassan or qualifier. Shivan Bubkuro faces a qualifier and then Zhukaev or Trongchareon Chaiku. Uh, Kasper Zhuk plays Yasatu Kauchiyama and then Yevsev or qualifier. Lloyd Harris plays Kassidit Samarej and then Mats Morang or Mukun Kumar. Michalski faces Mochizuki and then Travalia or Andrea Arnaboldi. In the qualifying, I watched a very exciting match last night between Jakub Benshik and Luka Pui, um, but I had to go to sleep after the second set because I didn't see we finished the match. But he now faces Ayeni, so that's that. That'll be a great, uh, you know, great a couple great couple of wins to get him started and into the main draw. Other sections we have, you know, Jason Jung or Stuart Parker, Kazo is here, Donskoy could be a factor, Henry Squire as well. Uh, so quite quite a good amount of exciting names in the qualifying draw. In the doubles, we have Bambri and Mineni as the top seeds, fresh from Bambri's singles retirement. He's announced that he'll be a full-time double specialist. Gingel and Pavlasek were the champions in the first week. They're here too. Uh, Matsui and Wesugi are here playing Nam and Song, Galloway, Hachvet, Dugo. Uh, the Sabanov brothers are here as well, Runkat and Santilan. It's, it's, an, it's an exciting event, I think. But going back to the singles, who are you liking for the title? Yeah, it's funny the, that she said that, you know, you had to go to sleep because for me, it was like after waking up, I turned yeah. on Manchik, Manchik Uh That's the, that's the time zone difference for us. Right <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for me it was like the I don't know eleven or ten something like that. Uh, anyway, uh, um, the way I'm looking at the draw, Denis Novak, uh, yeah, he did so well last week, but back-to-back titles is always going to be rather tough. Um, the question is whether the the draw isn't actually like good enough for him to do it, and I think it might be uh, because well both in his quarter and also in the top section there's a bit of a lack of dangerous players I would say. Um, Sandgren added is an interesting first round. Sandgren was really disappointing with that loss to Gengel. Uh, Sandgren and Adet in general, they feel like just players from different parts of the universe, you know, because well, Adet plays in Europe. Sandgren rarely has been leaving the States in the past year or so. I feel like possibly they never played the same event or something like that. Anyway, uh, Gunes Varan has been, uh, improving recently and i think he could have a good run but can he beat novak i don't know and and it really looks like he uh you know the austrian could actually maybe go back to back finals here maybe the second round could be tough for him uh royer or, or harris maybe the you know the frenchman potentially uh is more of a threat 
in the bottom half, it's it's much tougher. Uh, I'm really excited to see what Kasper Zhuk can do here, but I'm not going to pick him mainly because, well, he's playing Uchiyama in the first round. That's that's going to be rough. Uh, Michalski, I think at the ATP Cup, for how little he plays on hard courts, he actually did pretty well, especially against Kato, of course, but also against Wesler to an extent. It was just Musetti that demolished him. Uh, Harris is an, is another option. And well, even if that section, uh, you know, that bottom half of the draw, I think it's, is a little stronger. I think I still have to go with Harris. He, he made the semis, uh, of course, last week. And there's no reason probably to think that he's not going to improve with every week. Uh, could it be maybe also a bit too much tennis, like in, in that short, uh, time frame, you know, given he is just coming back after a seven month break or whatever it was, seven, eight, even maybe, no, close, uh, seven and a half, something like that. Uh, the fact that he's coming, uh, coming back after that, maybe it could also hamper him if he goes deep here. But I'm basically choosing between Harris and Novak. And I think I'm going to go with Lloyd Harris. Yeah, I, I agree with you that this is. Choosing between Harris and, and Denis Novak based on their performances last week. Harris has the advantage of not going all the way to the, to the final and then winning it. Uh, but he does have the tougher draw to face. Yeah. So I feel like it's only it's it's fair for me to to go for the other one. Uh not matchy here with Harris, even though I initially wrote him down. So Denis Novak. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Who is gonna beat him in this in this top half? Like what heads maybe. Yeah, Royer, Hertz, Moria, maybe. Nah, it, it, it's really I, I, just... I'm most worried about his first round against the qualifier because okay, yeah, are, are a lot better than what we have in this main draw. Uh, and, and he does have four of them in this half. But yeah, I'm I'm going with Denis Novak. Yeah, I fair point. I, I wasn't thinking of the qualifying, but yeah, if he gets someone like Puy Ayeni or maybe Kazo Donskoy, uh, yeah. he can totally lose this first round, yeah. I guess for that reason, I'm happier that I picked Harris now, but <laughs> you know, we're going to see what, what will happen. And now we can go over to Oerash. Um, the, the second event, this one is a 75 as opposed to a 50. But the top seed nonetheless is Richard Dasperankis, just like last time. This time he faces Matev Augusto in a really exciting first round match. Winner could face Gerch or Qualifier. Harold Mayo is the seed uh, in the section, the sixth seed. He faces a qualifier and then Karlovsky or a qualifier. Pils plays Vessels and then Dominguez or a qualifier. Diaz plays Neukrist and then Neumeyer or Goncalo Oliveira. Uh, Gigante faces off against Pierre Uguerbert, who will hope for a better performance than last week. Giano plays Dugas. Uh, Sanchez Izquierdo faces Pedro Souza, who's then with a wild card. Paul Martin Tifon plays a qualifier in the final section. Jay Clark places, uh, faces Jaime Faria, and then Justino or qualifier. Medvedevich plays Delour, and then Vachero or Collignon. And qualifying, uh, which is it played as we speak? No. No, 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 not yet. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the qualifying, we could have Dino Prismich, as we mentioned. There's also the camps, Marchenko, Layal. Eupovic, Ilkel, obviously a massive factor if he if he gets through again. Um, over in the doubles, we have Arenz and Pell as the top seats. We have uh, Noza this time teaming up with Sachko, and he faces actually his partner from last week, Kornea. Uh, he's alongside Martos Gornes, which is a fun quirk of the draw there. 
we are sort of aesthetic teaming up with Mochan of this week as opposed to Air Bear. Air Bear is not playing, right? Play yeah, he's not doubles. playing. Yeah. No. But going back to the singles, who do you like for the title? Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if Ilkal, if he beats Molakar, you know, all these qualies matches, can he really go all the way here? I don't know. I'm going to sort of keep him on my short list for now. Uh, Marchenko Layal is a, is a great uh, final qualies round matchup. Marchenko played Vatudin mm. yesterday and there was no handshake, by the way. Uh, I'm not sure if, if Marchenko had a handshake with, uh, because I, I checked uh, how many Russians he's played since the invasion. And he played um, Kuznetsov and he played Kakmazov, but I'm not sure if if that the same happened there or not. Uh, but yeah, looking at the draw, of course, Berankis again looked very far off his best last week. Oh no, I already know what I'm. I already know what I'm gonna pick. Okay. Oh, oh yeah, I, I already know. Okay, I saw his name in the draw. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Um, uh, Med- Medjedovic was pretty awful last week. I mean, his his uh, yeah. footwork still is so lazy. And he plays Yoris Delor, who could win it. Yeah, he can totally do it. Look at this section, right? Uh, but of course, it's going to be pretty hard to go for back-to-back titles. We'll see. It's it's certainly in his reach. Uh, Erber, after the performance he had against Prismich, I don't think he's going to... Well, he should have a much uh, an easier time now, right? Against Gigante or, and then even against Dugas or Gianu. Maybe, you know, maybe it's enough to actually get him going. Uh, but, well, we'll see. And yeah, I, I have to go for Arthur Fields. I, this is a perfect draw for him. We've been picking him a lot, I've especially me. And he hasn't delivered, but he had these four challenger quarterfinals. I think this is the year where he turns them into like finals or titles. And the draw seems perfect, right? I mean, Luis Vessels maybe with his serve can be dangerous. Um, you know, Neukrist is is definitely not poor indoors. If if they get to the quarterfinals, uh, a qualifier uh, there there could be a dangerous qualifier in his section in round two as well, but. Yeah, just looking at the draw, if I don't want to go for Ilkel or the, or the lore, I think I gotta go with Fis. Yeah, you know, I mean, last year I picked Phil's ones, you picked Phil's ones. Only once? And I feel like, yeah, I, I, I was just checking this. I was quite surprised that you only picked it once. Really? I, I, I guess uh, I was always just talking, I should pick Arthur Fields, but no, I'm yeah. going to go for something else or something. Else. And I feel like what he needs to get the confidence uh, to go and get this title is for both of us to pick him. So I will match you on okay. Arthur Fields. It is obviously a great uh, draw for him. Steven Diaz, as your seed uh, in this section, Neukrist may be the toughest opponent potentially. The qualifier might be the it. toughest opponent, I think. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, whoever the qualifier is uh, might actually be the, the problem in that section. Yeah, it's sort of like but we yeah. talked with Nontaburi, right? With uh, with Dennis Novak, mm. that in his in his half, it's probably the qualifier that's going to be the toughest. Uh, but I saw that he yeah. landed uh, Henry Squire, so... Uh, you know, I'm, gl- I'm glad to see that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I think he, I think he got the the, the right uh, sort of opponent there. Yeah, but yeah, feels. I mean, he he has to win win one at some point. This is a great opportunity for him to get deep, and then see what happens. So, Atut feels for both of us, and we go over to Tigre, where we have the fifty once again. This time with a different top seed, though, as Camilo Gukarabe took a wild card into the event, faces a qualifier, and then De Jong or another qualifier. 
Casanova against the qualifier, and then Villanueva against Zhu in his section there. Navone plays Abuyan, and then Vice or Stoder. Gianessi plays Londero in an interesting first round. Winner plays Bosca Dindiash or a qualifier. Cuiarini is the fourth seed, being a qualifier, and then Eshargi or Droge. Roca Bataya plays Reis da Silva and then Bertolauer Atmanen. Serundolo, the champion in Tigreman, faces Dutra da Silva and then Yusyong Chung or a qualifier. Uh, as we said, Delian and Torres face off once again. Uh, also in this section, winner could face Comesania or Tomas Fariat. In the qualifying, we have uh, Gonzalo Bueno will face off against Sebosh Wild. Chepeliev is also there. Uh, Lautaro Midon defeated Juan Pablo Paz. Uh, Martin Cuevas is in there. But yeah, no, I, I don't think anybody's going to win the event out of qualifying. Um, over to the doubles. Save of Wilt, maybe? I don't know. Uh, I think he had his best run in months, in, in maybe even like a year or so last week, I think. In terms of the level, in terms of even getting to the second round out of qualifying is very rare for him at this point. I think he actually has like an outside chance. He needs to beat Bueno first, but he lost one game against Bueno last week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if, if you want to pick him, uh, I, I would be happy with that. I will consider it. Uh, I will if consider you go for Sebosfield here. Uh, okay. Uh, in the doubles, we have Arias and Zebeos as the top seeds. We also have Aboyan and Monzon, who were the finalists last week. Andreozzi and Karu uh, are here as well. They face Comesania and Torres in the first round. Uh, also, Drzewiecki and Matuszewski will compete for this title too as the second seeds, but going back to the singles, who are you picking? Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Yeah, it's pretty tough, I think. Uh, Navone was not playing in the opening week in Tigre. I wonder if he can be uh, an option. Uh, I think he's one of the favorites, probably. But, you know, playing Stoder in the second round, even Valerio Aboyan in the first round. Londero Genesi is a great first round, although Londero was just awful against Murkaldelian in the quarterfinals last week. Uguera Belli also wasn't in Tigre. He also skipped Australian Open qualifying, like Juan Manuel Serundolo. Uh, I wonder, you know, there are players in the draw that can beat him for sure. De Jong, especially in the second round, kind of looms like a like a possible um, option. Colarini had an awful loss last time. Torres, Delian don't want to pick out of that. And yeah, I'm basically stuck between either going for Serundolo or <laughs> Seymour. You know, now I mean, can Juan Manuel Serundolo win back to back titles? I'm going to say he can, and I think I'm going to go with the boring answer. Um, you know, he's just, again, he's much better than the rest of the field. And he really should be taking that. If he's not, then yeah, maybe maybe he's just not ready to, you know, to, to play his best tennis on you know, 10, day, 10 matches in, in, in 15 days or something like that. But yeah, I, I I think I like him to raise the title again, probably. And yeah, I'm going to have to go with Juan Manuel Serundolo. Although I wish I was more gutsy. I, I do. 
All right. So Mr. Winkle, back to Black Weeks, that is an interesting pick. Then I will not be joining you on this time. Okay. I'm going with Camilo Ugokarabe, the top seed. Um, obviously, the finish to last season was not what he imagined at all. Post that Buenos Aires title, it was sort of disappointing. Not a single quarterfinal in the last four events. Um, but I feel like he the draw outside of De Jong, maybe we had one of in section, like it's not amazingly difficult. Uh, he does have Navona in his half, which is not amazing. But then again, he doesn't have the back-to-back week like um, Juan Manuel Serundo does. Uh, I think he'll have the you know first couple of matches to play himself into it, and he should have a good chance. He he's he's a talented player, and you know uh, won two titles last season, so why not another one now? Yeah, and we're also going to talk about the Australian Open qualifying. Uh, we do that on the show, even though it's not a challenger event. And we usually do it in the form of, well, at, at first predictions, then we also do like a draft pick for the qualifiers. But of course, that's only done after they, they have qualified, after we know who made it. And before we do the predictions, it's just a competition sort of between us. I have no clue who won last time. I think you might because you, you sometimes remember these things. And I will also say that uh, both of us have already published our picks on Twitter. I specifically, you know, on purpose didn't look at yours for the men's so so that I have a few surprises here. Uh, and uh, yeah, and I guess uh, over to you. Yeah, um, so let's go to the draw. What I actually published was who I want to see qualify, which is a bit different ah. than who I'm actually picking. But uh, the, the, ah. the, there is some overlap there, though. Um, but let's start with I did one. not realize that. Okay, so I could have looked uh, at them. Okay, yeah. I didn't. I didn't know that it was who you want to who you want to to qualify. And yeah, uh, one more thing I forgot. Uh, we're obviously recording this. You're gonna hear it on Monday, probably maybe later if you're uh, if you're gonna be listening to this later. But uh, we're recording this before this segment before the start of the qualifying, of course. Yes, exactly. So we start with section one with Alejandro Tabilo facing Nikola Milevic. Dominic couldn't face Sebastian Ofner or Felipe Milijani Alves. Then we have 25th seed Josef Kovalik playing Litu and Laurent Locoli facing Antoine Bellier. Who have you picked? This is a tough one. And in general, a few of these early sections, I think, are really tough. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, could see almost anyone here. Milojevic would be surprising, but he qualified last year, which was back then a shock as well. Uh, yeah. Tabilo was, of course, so strong going into the 2022 Australian Open. We all thought he would qualify. He did. Uh, he got Alcaraz in the opening round, which is just tough luck. Uh, right now he's not in that sort of form. Of course, we don't really know the form because, well, it's it's the first, the second week of the year. I don't think he played in the first one. Uh, but yeah, I just don't think he's that he has that sort of confidence right now. So I'm more looking at, you know, maybe Litu, and that's probably who I'm gonna go for. Uh, but honestly, if he loses to Kovalik, I'm just not going to be surprised at all. Ofner is a fair selection as well. Either of Belier Locoli could work. Like th- this is really even. Uh, and I-, I have no clue what to go for. Litu just, you know, he- he's that sort of a uh, uh, huge story that sometimes does well in, in these sort of, you know, home events. Uh, he did, well, he played pretty well at the Australian Open in the past. Maybe didn't do that much, but played pretty well. It- it's It's going to be very random in this one, I think. All right. I, I, I'm surprised that you picked Lito. 
it, it's an interesting pick. As you sort of hinted, we we don't we don't have form. Obviously, we've had one event, but if we if we are looking at the form, we have you know uh, a lot of suspect form in the in 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 guys like you know Offner who lost to Kruger, Bellier who dro- uh, dropped the set to Bolt and then lost in the second round, Kovaldi who lost to Gombos. Apart from Laurent Locoli who reached the final in Umea, which is where I'm going, Laurent Locoli for me. Okay. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, it, as, as you said, it is tough to pick out of. And Tabilo might just get this, but I'm not convinced going into it. Uh, do you want to do section two? Oh, okay. Yeah, I just didn't know, you know if we are going to you know, change yeah. who starts or not. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> so okay. should I start? Uh, yeah, I, I feel like for these we usually alternate who reads this. No, I'm, I'm trying to I don't know. Yeah. I have no clue. I, it, it doesn't really matter. Okay, I, I can start. Whatever. And section two again is super tough. Uh, there, there's a lot of contenders. Uh, Chakinato Purcell is a pretty good first round, I think, even if Marco is obviously not that good on hard courts. Uh, Purcell is a very fair selection. I think Kuzmanov can do it as well. Kuzmanov was like in the final qualifying round for the last three slams or something like that, right? And never made it, or at least two of them, at least Ron Garros and Wimbledon. Uh, so maybe this time it, it's possible in this section for sure. Uh, or Bolt, if he can somehow, you know, just launch uh, a great performance. Uh, you know, he, he hasn't been himself after the injury, but of course he can do it. But I am looking at Richard Arnaldi, which is such a tough first round. Arnaldi is probably considered the favorite there, but I'm actually going to pick Alexander Richard to qualify because I think if he wins that first round, he's going to do it. Uh, does he win that first round against Arnaldi? I don't know. <laughs> it's actually going to be really tough, I think. Uh, Richard did super go- super well in uh, slam qualifying last year, though. Made it both at Wimbledon at the US Open, and I think he was also in the final qualifying round at the French Open. And these are like all the all the qualifying events for slams that he have, that he's ever played so um i don't know if that actually counts for something but i think he should like the courts as well so i'm going with richard but i know it's one of the bolder picks but as i said the, the first couple of sections are really tough yeah this is very interesting because i'm picking directly against you here i'm going with Matteo arnaldi uh as you said a lot of options here i feel like both jumhur and kuzmanov uh either one of them uh, could qualify. Purcell is somebody that I could see qualify. Maybe even maybe even Bald uh, could sort of take advantage of that first round against Olivo and then beat uh, whoever comes out of Richard and Arnaldi. Uh, it, it's it's once again one of the tougher sections. But Arnaldi, I you know he he beat Shevchenko, took a set off Fuchovic. So I, I I sort of like where he's at. Although that is a very difficult first round against Richard there. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I mostly went for Richard because I it's just total, you know, gut feeling and all. But I feel like if Richard wins this first round, he's going to qualify. But with Arnaldi, I don't have that sort of certainty. Uh, but it could be just plain wrong. As you said, he, he played very well in Canberra. Uh, and in that third section, I would love to pick either Klein or Polmans, but they're playing each other. And that's why I just decided to look for something else. And I naturally went to Radu Albot, who, you know, always is pretty solid, can always do it. I don't think that the Holt matchup is particularly good for him. This is, you know, someone like Albot is not exactly what Brandon fears. Uh, 
uh, and Uchida can beat Albot as well. But in general, that's, um, you know, in this section, I think Polmans and Klein are by far the two strongest, the strongest players, strongest players. So yeah, I just don't want to pick out of a first round between them. Of course, there's also Trunheriti, who is the, you know, grandson qualifying goat. Um, it's just that I think he even, yeah, he qualified last year, save another diving volley in the process, but I don't know. Um, it's always surprising when he does it. And again, this would be a pretty shocking run if he beats Polmans Klein and then, I don't know, Albot Uchida Holt. Uh, so I'm going with Albot, but it's a bit of a cop-out. Like I, I just don't want to pick out of Polmans Klein. Fair enough. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going for Albot as well. I really like the draw that he has uh, as opposed to the other half in this section. Um, Holt, he's he's not in like any great form since that U.S. Open run. It's not like he's really shown us much since then. Uh, the winner of Gasta Elias and Kaichi Uchida, presumably Uchida. I I feel like Albot should be winning that, even though he didn't look super impressive in the in the first week. Polman's Klein is is the matchup to watch. Uh, really, really hope that Klein could come through this and, and it would be a great run. Uh, Trujit is in, is in there as well. He lost to Dane Kelly in the first week, so I'm not convinced that we're about to, you know, see, see him put on a run right now. Uh, but yeah, Albot for me was, was a pretty easy choice in this situation, I think. Yeah, fair enough. So that's the first one that we match on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you're going to see, I, I think later on, we're going to match on a lot of picks, but that, that that's how uh, generally I've seen that on, on Twitter. You know, I, I, I look at someone's list and I'm like, Jesus, we have, you know, we, we don't have any picks uh, that are, that are the same at all. And then near the end of the list, it's like, maybe not near the exactly the end but like in the middle but we're gonna see anyway the next uh, the next one i think uh there's gonna be a very like very much a blockbuster second round matchup between brody and struf mm-hmm. uh i don't think gomez beats brody like right now in the sort of form that we've last seen them as you said it's very tough because it was just one week uh, but brody did very well in canberra so that that's why i think he potentially has the you know should beat gomez here struf i think against shevchenko also should should probably prevail and these this is the the matchup that will decide the section to me of course there's raul brancaccio as well who was the champion in numea you went with locoli maybe you're gonna go there i just don't think the numea event was like you know strong enough for it to to convince me of course Brancaccio has a pretty decent hardcore game compared to most clay guys big power uh but in general that that, that I don't think either of the four players in the bottom half of this section like can stand up to Struff or Brody I think if they play it's probably gonna be Struff winning and I'm just basing it on, on again looking great in Canberra I both lost to Leandro Riedi right so and both in like three sets. So um, there's also not that much of a difference in, in just the results they got in the first week. I just think Struff maybe has a bit more upside than Brody if they play. And, and that's that's literally it. So Jan and Struff for me. Yeah, and we're matching again. I've also gone for Struff. Uh, I do believe that Brancaccio will be the one in the final qualifying round up against Struff. Um, but I feel like anybody that comes out of that top section, whether it's Struff, Brody, or even Emilio Gomez, I feel like it would be too much for Brancaccio in that spot. Uh, yeah, as you, as you said, it, it, it does come down to Struff versus Brody, um, or I assume it will. And I believe Struff in that situation, he made, he made the semis in Canberra to start. It, it's a strong start. Uh, it's almost like the sweet spot that you maybe want going into a situation like this where you've not gone all the way to a title and now you're having to scramble to travel 
but you've still had a good number of matches and you performed well and you're going into it with some confidence there. Yeah, and in the next one we've got, uh, well, Juan Pablo Varias against Marcora in the opening round. Oh. Probably not picking these guys. Galarno <laughs> Peniston. Uh, Peniston was obviously in the semis in uh, Numea, but withdrew. Um, it was like right, right. Some it was right something. I can't remember what. But anyway, uh, the bottom, the bottom half of this section is pretty strong actually. Uh, I think Sekulic actually has like a small chance to beat Watanuki. I, I, I'm not as, uh, you know, I, I saw that there were some crazy odds on Watanuki there. Anyway, I still think it's going to be Yusuke Watanuki in the, in the final, well, ma- making it to the, to the uh, main draw. Uh, I think though that the second round matchup between him and Kukushkin or Duckworth, that's where it can potentially get really tricky. Uh, both. I mean, Kogushkin, of course, hits a, a lot more, a lot flatter, but they, they're both uh, kind of similar in how they would approach the Watanuki matchup, I suppose. And I think they could trouble him if he's not just, you know, not, not patient enough, just going for it, overheating too much. Um, overheating too much is probably, you know, <laughs> uh, you know, saying the same thing twice. Anyway, yeah, I, I'm still going for Watanuki. He's just in that sort of form where I don't want to go for something else. But I wouldn't be shocked if he loses to Kukushkin or Duckworth. Yeah, we match again. Uh, Watanuki for me as well. Uh, performed very well in, in Canberra. I mean, those are some high quality wins over Vanash, Rodionov, and Gombos. Only lost to Fuchovic, who, who went on to win it. Um, but yeah, there is some peril in that second round matchup when you have those two experienced guys there, Kukushkin and Duckworth. Obviously, they didn't look amazing in the first week or anything, but we know that they can turn it on uh, in a situation like this. There's a lot more money on the line than there usually is. There's there's a lot more points for them. Uh, so, so maybe they could come up with something to to neutralize Watanuki. Um, yeah, the, the the top half of the section, uh, whoever comes out of that, I would be shocked if they beat anybody from the bottom half. Yeah, um, for, for, yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that for sure. Yeah, it's mostly probably going to be Vatanoki or Duckworth. But yeah, we're, again, we're matching, uh, it seems. I believe we should also match in the next section, but let me let me sort of talk it through. Kudla, it's a bit of a mystery. I think he was at the United Cup, but did not play. I, I sort of remember seeing him on the bench. It was a bit of a weird sight because, you know, you have the, all these stars and then there's Dennis Kudla, Hunter Reese. Uh, <laughs> it, it was a little funny and nice to see to see these guys in in, in that sort of uh, uh, a, a team uh, with with players that they don't really even meet on the tour a lot of the time. I mean, Kudla Kudla more than Reese probably. Or Reese played a, a lot of um, main tour events last year too, I guess. Anyway, uh, yeah, Kudla Jasika. It, it's a bit of a tough first round for Kudla, and in general, I don't trust Kudla to win three matches here. Kovacevic, I think, is like the obvious name that stands out to me. Uh, he's playing Taberner in the opening round on hard courts. This should be a free win. I don't think he has a good matchup with Kudla necessarily, but you know, in this in this form at this stage of their careers, he can he can certainly win it. Uh, and the bottom half is kind of weak. Mager Misolic, they can both perform well and they can both just completely um well I don't want to say suck, but yeah, that, that's exactly what I mean. And uh Kozlov, I also saw that some people were picking him there. I think it's mostly based on the fact that the bottom half of the section is a little weaker. And you know, Kovacevic Kozlov, that's again a pretty 
bad matchup for Alex, I think. But I still have to go Kovacevic. Uh, it's just a good enough section for him. And it's it's kind of, you know, high time he did something like that. All right. Yeah, I mean, I, we're not matching on this one. Although I okay. don't hate the pick uh, at all. I would hate a Kozlov pick. I don't really see what that is about. Um <laughs> But I am going with Dennis Kudla. It's it's tough. He he's not played anything uh, this week. He had this. I assume it was just like a massive practice block, and he's like ready to play uh, in the United Cup. But he, but he didn't actually play any matches. The finish to last season was quite disappointing. Post uh, Tiburon, where he had to uh, where he suffered an injury, and after that it was just rough losses to Perez six two six one to Nava, and losses to Alvarez Varona. Um, yeah, not great. Uh, but I, I do sort of like him here. He's 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 an experienced player. I feel like he still has something to give. Uh, he's he's played Australia like ten times before. Uh, so yeah, Dennis could love for me. All right. Yeah, I, I I think that would be my second pick from that section. Um, yeah, and the next one, I also have like two guys that I'm sort of going back and forth between. But I still think that's a pretty good draw for Gaston. Uh, he didn't look bad at all in Canberra. Uh, and yeah, he's playing Gerasimov, who's been out of form. Miller, McCabe, don't think that's that much of a threat. And yeah, there's Elias Immer on the, in, in the other half of the draw, who could potentially be dangerous. I think he was in Pune this week, but lost quite early. So he had, I think, to Martyr in the opening round after qualifying. So he had a bit of, uh, you know, a lot of time to get, to get to Melbourne. Uh, but yeah, I just don't think that anyone can really touch Gaston here if if Gaston is playing his best. And then yeah, he was decent enough in the opening week that I that I believe in him. I think that's one of the simpler sections. So uh, I, I, was, I was I was just saying um, yeah, Gaston and Imer are definitely the main players uh, in this section. Imer sent Yuki Bambri into Sigul's retirement last week in Pune. Uh, but I feel like it will be Ugaston who qualifies. Gerasimov, we don't know what he's going to come out with. He's not played a tennis match in like, what, like seven months or something, or maybe six since Porto. Um, although obviously he is a dangerous player on, on fast hard courts, or he used to be at the very least. Uh, Alexander Muller, I think he, if I'm trying to remember what he did, but I, but I think he won a couple of matches out of qualifying. Yeah, yeah, uh, he, he was Brad. somewhere. Um, yeah, yeah lost to Struff in a, in a pretty tight first setter. Yeah, so so that might be tough. I probably like the road to the final qualifying round better for Emer, but I I just feel like Gaston's upside is better at this moment. So I will join you in picking Hugo Gaston. Yeah, no no disagreement there. I think in the eighth section, everyone is just looking at that team on right of Enlander Riedi yeah. showdown. It really should be one of these guys qualifying. They don't necessarily have to. Uh, I think especially if Van Rijtoven wins it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, who, who else could it be really? Kikar, Delbonis, they're both sort of, um, you know, if they're in good form, they can play well on hard courts, but they're not. Jabs, Tina, that's probably a little a little better. Rodriguez, Taverna, Zapieria, it just kind of has to be like if... It doesn't have to be the winner of this match, but if we're thinking of actually, you know, trying to predict something, it, you have to go for Van Rijtoven or Riedi. And then it's like a preference choice. For me, it's going to be Riedi. Uh, 
again, I'm just not really buying Tim Van Rijthoven at like the you know, ATT, ATP top 100 level on hard courts. Still not. And yeah, if if Riedi beats him, I, I I think he has a very good chance to qualify. He's been playing with a lot of confidence, of course, but also you know somehow making that game be very consistent. Uh, and if he can keep doing that, I think he can easily qualify. It would be great to have him in the main draw because yeah, he can actually like win a match too, maybe if he gets a good draw. And that's why I would love to see him there. Yeah, and I'm, I'm joining you with that pick. I'm also taking Leandro Riedi. I feel like he should be a decent-sized favorite against Van Rijthoven, who we, we saw in Bratislava, and since then he hasn't really convinced us that he's looked any better. Um, lost lost those two bags after that last season in Pune. Um, beats Radu Alba, but then loses to Karacev, who, yes, he made the semis, but outside of Van Rijthoven, he only beat Pedro Martinez and... Uh, Pablo Andujar, so it was like not a, an amazingly tough draw to get to the semis. Um, yeah, I'm I'm not convinced at all by by Tim Van Rijthoven at the moment, and I feel like Riedi might get this. I feel like it's almost as close um, to like you know on in, in the women's draw. There's obviously two big standouts: uh, Alicia Parks and Linda Noskova, and this is probably maybe like the closest thing we have is this player that's on fire right now, uh, but starting in qualifying. Yeah, fair point. Probably you would struggle to find someone else who's been in that sort of form. Or actually, that, that's a good way to transition to the next section, because this this one, I think, could be like a little above the qualifying level. And I'm mm-hmm. talking with Michael Moe at the moment, who seems to have a very clear path to the final qualifying round. Uh, of course, he was in Pune, but he lost there in the second round, I think, to Krajinovic. Still a very decent showing. Uh, he's probably going to be back in the top 100 in like no time. Uh, he, Of course, he's going to defend a lot of points in the second half of the year. But until then, I, I believe he will get there very soon. I don't think Per is capable of beating him right now. Kuzuhara, not really. Uh, although it's nice, of course, that he got the wildcard as, uh, as the uh, winner of the boys singles event last year. And there's also a fantastic matchup between Diallo and Vukic. And I think both of these guys, of course, are capable of beating Mo. Kind of interesting that Vukic uh, hasn't gotten the major wildcard. They they skipped him. Uh, and he gets that Diallo round one, which is just terrible. Vukic is defending second round points, I think. He, he beat Lloyd Harris and lost to like Albot last year at the Australian Open. Uh, and Vukic Diallo, the two guys with college ties, uh, who is actually the favorite in this match? I have no clue. Uh, and yeah, I just don't want to touch it in, in terms of the winner's predictions for the whole uh, section. So it has to be Michael Moe from me. And I would be very surprised if you're going for someone else. <laughs> uh, no, I'm also going for Michael Moe. Uh, Vukic is a slight favorite for the, for the bookies, 1.65 over Diallo. Uh, interestingly enough, because Yale actually won a match, he beat Shang, whereas Vukic lost to Gaston. But that's that's not really a shameful loss or anything. Ben Alper is an interesting factor within this within this draw that I would love to see what he can do uh, against Mo. Obviously, he's you know way past it, but he was he he won a couple of matches, which is something that we haven't seen him do uh, a lot in in the past twelve months. But yeah, Mike Ma- Mo really should be getting out of there with this draw. Kuzuhara then pair um, to the final qualifying round. There, obviously, he will have Diallo or Vukic most likely. Uh, but yeah, it really should be Michael Mo. 
Yeah, Mo, Mo against Diallo Vukic is going to be very exciting, but until then, I mean, he should get to the final qualifying round without much problem, without many problems. Anyway, uh, section 10, uh, your favorite Norbert Gombos, who you always pick when there's Grand Slam qualifying, and rightfully so, because last year he went 9-0 in Grand Slam qualifying. Yeah, I, I was horrible at picking the qualifiers last last year. But you, did, you weren't picking Gombos? You were. No, but yeah, I'm saying he's the only one that was working out for me at all. Ah, the so. only one that was working. Okay. Yeah. And I, I actually think I'm going to also choose. I, I don't know if you're going to go for Gompos this time, but I think I'm going to go with him. I don't think the Sugita matchup is great, but of course, Sugita has been out for a while and, uh, well, barely, um, well, since the injuries, he hasn't shown what he can do. Uh, Vavasori Nava. It's potentially dangerous. It's in general a very strong section. Uh, any players here qualifying would be nice. I mean, any any could probably like have a chance at, with someone in the main row. Skatov did it last year. I don't think he's going to do it now because, you know, just beating Jari and, or Virtanen and then someone like Gombos or Nava in the final qualities round, that's probably a little too tough. Uh, and he, you know, he, he would have to have that Australia forehand again. Uh, and I'm ba- basically going for Gombos because I just don't want to go for either of Jari or Virtanen. This is going to be such a surf fest. And, you know, if you can, if someone thinks that they can predict this match, I think they're just crazy. <laughs> I mean, no, it's impossible to tell like what's going to happen in Jari Virtanen. So I'm just, I just have to go Gombos and yeah, hopefully he's going to keep up his Grand Slam qualifying streak. Yeah, I'm, I'm of course going for Norbert Gombos as well. I, I really like the, the road for him, the path for him to the final qualifying round. Sugita, who I, I think he's in our, our like protected ranking or something, right? He oh, yeah, yeah, uh, he definitely isn't in the top 250. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, protected ranking. He he should be beating him. Vavasori or Nava, I'm not super worried about. Uh, and then obviously, yeah, you 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 get to it. Skatov, I think he played decently at the at the AT, um, ATP Cup, United Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, I I actually watched some of his match against uh, Wessler that he ended up losing. He beat Michalski as well. Uh, Vitanen lost to Ramanathan in the in the qualies in Pune. Uh, Hari lost to um, Riedi. So none of them is in great form. Um, but yeah, G- Gombosh is the one I'm picking for sure. Uh, but I do feel like Skatov will be the one that he beats in the final qualifying round. Yeah, Sugita went 2-13 and 13 last year. So yeah, he's clearly not in the top 250. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I'm just looking at Gongbosch and apparently his Grand Slam qualifying streak is even longer because in 2021, he wasn't uh, playing any qualifying. In 2020, he played the Australian Open and also qualified. And I'm now, <laughs> I'm now checking 2019, uh, which was, okay, he lost to Menezes at the US Open. Well, that, that's a pretty surprising loss. Uh, anyway, 12 and 0 uh, in the last four qualifying attempts. So, yeah, uh, we got to go with Gombos. Yeah, 11th. Uh, maybe I would be tempted to pick Pavel Kotov if not for that loss in Canberra to... Oh, Jesus, I'm now forgetting who it was. Um, Dane Sweeney. And yeah, maybe I would be going for him. I don't know. Of course, like Sonnen has some sort of a chance on hard courts, but yeah, form has been up and down. And I think this is just looking like a very good uh, section for Nardi to qualify. Escobedo, you know, with that sort of power, he could probably overrun him a bit. But, well, Escobedo just lost to Blake Ellis. And 
yeah, I just don't think he's he's in that form that he was last year where I think Escobedo was, uh, he won a challenger just before the Australian Open. He was everyone's peak to qualify from the first section. I think he, it ended up being Kukushkin, but maybe Escobedo like, or Kukush, or was it? It was Escobedo Kukushkin, I think, in the final round. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I don't think he's in that sort of form. Uh, this just looks like a very good section for Nardi. Yeah, same. I'm. I have to go with, with Lucanardi. This is like the best section that he could probably ask for, because uh, Escobedo has, has been out of sorts. Uh, he is better than Noguchi or or Winter. Um, he got a nice win over. Lukash Klein, I remember in Canberra, then lost to Brody after winning the first set. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah, nobody in the in the top half between Kotov, Olivier, Laksan, and Bonadio uh, should be picked to to get out of the section. None of their names fill me with confidence. Uh, so yeah, Nardi might be a bit of an obvious pick, but 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 it's a good pick. So I will definitely join you on that one. I love that sort of like if you were I don't know, writing a guide or something, nobody between Kotov, Olivieri, Lakson and Bonadio should be picked. Uh, you know, that sort of uh, passive tone uh, where you where you just tell that, you know, that, yeah, great. Anyway, um, in that 12th section, I think yeah, we're also going to... It's advice to the people. Don't, don't pick any of those. Yeah. yeah I mean... it's, it's advice to the people. Don't pick any of those. Out of you just said <laughs> that you did very poorly in in Grand Slam qualifying last year, but uh, yeah, no, of course, uh, I I don't think anyone's picking like Son and Bonadio Kotov or Olivieri here. I think it's really uh, you know everyone's going for Nardi. Maybe someone who hasn't been watching tennis for the past six months want to go, wants to go Escobedo. Uh, anyway, section twelve. I think this is one. This is another one where there's a very popular pick. He hasn't exactly delivered in Grand Slam qualifying yet. There's been uh, many instances when we wanted to pick him and it failed, <laughs> for example, with a loss to Stefan Kozlov. But yeah, I have to go with Stricker. Um, it, it there has to come, you know, that moment has to come where he makes the jump, where he breaks the top 100. It, and I think it, it, it might be even be here. This is a very good section for him. Uh, Quaco Grenier is a great first round. Uh, but, you know, Grenier is not exactly in that top 100 form. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it just has to be Stricker. Enough said, really. Yeah, and I'm also picking Dominic Stricker. Um, yeah, it's, it, as, as you said, it's, it's not an obvious pick because because he's, he's not delivered uh, in these situations in the past. I feel like... Kruger could be potentially an interesting second round for him. Uh, he he got a couple of wins in Canberra qualifying over Laxman and Offner before losing to Pomans. Uh, Bradley Klan isn't really a a, a walking by anymore. Uh, he he took Kovalik to a third set tiebreak, which you know maybe it's more about Kovalik than Klan there. Uh, if if Grenier showed me something in the first week, maybe I, I would be picking him. But he he lost to locally second round, so Stricker uh, is the one. Yeah, I agree. Grenier was just too weak in Numea for us to like continue, you know, picking him here. Anyway, uh, 13th section. 
I think this is another one of these super even ones, like the first, like the second. Uh, Tunglin Wu, Mattia Bellucci, what a cracker of a first round. Passaro Rossol as well. Passaro has some chances of qualifying, I think, even though Hardcourt isn't his best yet. But, you know, Rossol playing well, serving well, he can totally blow him off the court. I can see it. Second round as well is going to be very tough for Passaro. Uh, and that's why I wanted to go with someone from the bottom uh, section, half of the section. And I'm going with Dane Sweeney. Is it possible? I think so. He got a good, good win over Kotov last week. Uh, it's also very possible that he loses to Kopriva, but he's probably the favorite against Darderi or Fikovic, or maybe that's a stretch. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I just think it's one of the more even sections. And what I'm, what I'm seeing in the top half just made me think, okay, you want to go for someone from the other one because, you know, by the time they get to the final qualifying round, maybe maybe there's gonna be a chance for for someone you know a little um, underrated to come through here. Yeah, Dane Sweeney is a good pick, but I'm picking Tunglin Wu, who went to the final of Nontaburi. Uh, I, I I I sort of liked his place throughout the week, even though it is the tougher half of this section. Uh, Bellucci lost to Ramanathan in in uh, Poon, so I'm not sure if I see him as the biggest threat, even though we know the player that he is. Passaro should be interesting. He lost to Brody, uh, but who is the one in form? Sweeney might might well be the one uh, that faces him there in, in the final qualifying round, but I'm picking Tom Wu here. Yeah, with Wu, I was kind of scared of the just 48 hours, uh, you know, break that he had between the final and Nontaburi and playing his first qualifying round against Bellucci, which is a nasty opponent. And actually one where you have to, like, use your legs a lot. I don't know, we're going to see. Uh, 14th section, the top half is just probably the worst part of the entire draw. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Andujar playing Walton and Pham playing Goyovchik. Uh, maybe Goyovchik has a chance to qualify, but I think it should be either of these four guys in the bottom uh, section, which is, by the way, super even. I think Diaz Acosta, Brauer, Marterer, Hanfman, they can all qualify. I'm going with Marterer solely based on that Punaya quarterfinal. I think he had enough uh, time to, you know, go to Australia and lose the jet lag and just come out and play the same as he did in Pune. And I think if he does, he's probably my favorite out of these four. But in general, I think, yeah, the, the bottom half of this section, they can all qualify. Yeah, we uh, you you said it. The top half historically weak. Goyovchik, if if he has any anything left in this tank, sh- should be making it to the final qualifying round out of here. Uh, the bottom half much more exciting because we are going to get whoever qualifies out of this. Uh, these four players. I've also gone for Matera. It's tough. Um, like I, I, I feel like like almost everybody performed decently. Well, uh, in the first week, Brauer pushed Rodinov to a third set tiebreaker. Diaz Acosta made the quarterfinals. Hanfman, I think, met 6 4 in the third against Safiul, and he lost. And Matered, obviously, is the one who had to run to quarterfinals out of qualifying. Uh, and yeah, it's 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 a tough call, but Matered is um, the most likely for me in my eyes as well. Yeah, and then the 15th section. I think like this should be Azizu Berg speak. This is a good spot, but after what he did at the United Cup, I just can't do it. I just can't. It's impossible. <laughs> he uh, okay. won two games against Kuzmanov and lost to Stefanos Sakelaridis. I'm not going to pick him here. I mean, I don't know if he's like still injured or something or if he needs to play himself into form. 
it's possible that he wins two matches here and then you know is finally uh, good ready lock and load for the qualify for the final qualifying round it's possible uh, but i have to pick between either maestrelli andreev or rodionov maestrelli andreev are playing each other so i don't want to get into that i'm going to pick rodionov i feel like he has a basically a free pass into the second round after what he showed last week so yeah I'm just going for it and hoping that he beats either of Maestrelli and Andreev and then possibly maybe Zizubergs. Yeah, I'm I'm matching you there with with Rodionov Bergs just absolutely took himself out of contention for us picking him with with, with his performances in the United Cup. Maybe could even lose to Jeremy Jin, who's who's an 18 year old bald card uh, on the edge of the top uh, one like one thousand even. Uh, Barrios Vera uh, won the first against Blancano when he played. He could be somebody that makes it to the final qualifying round. But I do believe that ultimately it shall be Rodionov who uh, qualifies. Yeah, and the last one, I would like to go for Pirosh, but I did go for him in Numea as my winner. And he won two games against Brancaccio. So yeah, not touching him again here, at least. Uh, and I think uh, it kind of boils down to maybe Maroshan, Shang, or if if not either of them, then it's going to be pretty random. I think Maroshan has a better chance against Shang than most people think. I do not understand why he's the underdog in that one. He played decent in Notaburi. He lost to Lloyd Harris, which is obviously nothing to be ashamed of, even if Harris is just coming back. And yeah, I, I think he's the likeliest guy in this section. Would love to see Maroshan Pirosh in the final qualifying round. That would be a good story. Yeah, but as as you said, Pirosh, uh, health-wise, I, I, I don't know what that was that that two and one loss to to Brancaccio. Uh, and Shang is is the match that I'm also picking out of, but I'm going the other way with Yuncheng Shang. Um, no particular reason. I just it was almost like flipping a coin here between Marojan and Shang. Uh, neither is in amazing form from the first week, but I like they didn't perform super badly either. And it would be great to see Fernando Verdasco uh, qualify, of course. It is probably unlikely. Uh, we presume that this will be one of his last uh, slams that he plays, but he has defied expectations. <laughs> uh, I don't think maybe any of us expected him to stick around this long, but he's still here. Uh, I think there was like a fake, like leaked message that he's going to retire, uh, but I, it's it's far from confirmed. So uh, I, I think it was just one source somewhere. But yeah, Shang is, is my pick. Yeah, and that's our picks. Uh, as you could hear, there was plenty of, uh, as we sort of predicted at the beginning, there was in, in the middle, there were plenty of common picks for us. Anyway, we're going to discuss uh, discuss these picks in a week uh, and then do the draft pick game that, sh- uh, that, uh, that we mentioned at the beginning. And I guess that's it for this week as well. Um, yeah, the, we are picking a lot of first and top se- and second seeds, it seems like <laughs> this year. We're going to see if this is a trend that continues. Uh, I think in both Nontaburi and Tigre this week, you went with the top seed. I went with the second seed and only in uh, Oairash, we went, you know, for the fourth seed. So also not that, uh, not that exciting, it seems, but, you know, at least it's a not as established player and, you know, he can, uh, he can win his maiden title. Uh, given our belief and confidence in him <laughs> uh, and yeah we're gonna see you guys in a week thanks for listening and we're gonna discuss the Austrian Open uh, qualifying results we're gonna talk about of course Tigre and Antaburi Oeiras and yeah uh, see you then bye